Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. What's up, everybody? Jared here from Puzzling Company in the Escape Mail studio. If you've not tried an Escape Mail game, give it a whirl. Loads of fun. They have lots of content, lots of different episodes for you to try. With me, as always today, is Zach. Hey, what's up? I'm here. You know, <laughs> I'm not not here, but no, it's been good. We uh, got to play some fun games we get to talk about today. Absolutely. And we've kind of done the episodes out of order. So technically the last episode that we recorded, I say that in quotation marks, was the one I did by myself. Yes. Even though that's not the order that they air in. Yes. So it's good to have you back. <laughs> yes, it is good to have us back. You, you sounded like gone there. It is good to have us back. The precious. Yes. <laughs> Have you been watching Lord of the Rings at all? No, I haven't watched the new Lord of the Rings yet. I watched the first one. I'm intrigued. It feels like there's a lot of haters out there. But oh, really? Yeah, but... People are going to hate. People are going to hate. It's true. Well, today we are talking about two games from Puzzled Escape Rooms, and that is Professor of the Occult and The Box from the Future. And we're super excited to talk about both of those. Hang around with us. We'll be right back. Zach. Zach. What's up? Ever since we've gotten back from Boston, you've been spacey and some weird things with your voice have been going on. Okay. I go to get some donkeys and I bang a Yui and you're acting all weird now with me? That's exactly what I'm talking about. All of a sudden you have like this Southern Bostonian accent and I don't think that you're aware that you're doing it. I've always talked like this. No, no, you haven't. And okay, let, let's let's try something. I'm gonna remind you of something that you did before Boston, like ask you a little trivia. Do you remember what the first murder mystery game on the podcast that we did? I remember some game that we did that was about Harvard. Was it about that? No. Okay. You remember anything else? Do you know what state that the murder happened? Yeah, it in? happened in Florida. Oh, are you talking about like the lovely city murder that happened? Yes. Like the killing affairs. That's game? what I'm talking about. But now you're not. Now you're talking normal. Yeah. What do you mean? Okay, uh, tell me what you liked about The Killing Affair. Oh, it's a really great game. It's like a murder mystery. It's episodic. You have to kind of figure out what happened on that day. It's a cold case as well. Um, but over, I think, five or six episodes, you get to complete it. Really fun game. And I know that at akillingaffair.com, they have other games as well. And I think they currently have a Jigsaw one that they just created. So really excited to see that. So you remember all of that. But if I told you maybe that the next game that we were going to play was about the New York Yankees, you would say... Oh, screw the Yankees. Go Sox. Welcome back, everybody, to Puzzling Company. We are here now in the first section of our show where we get to review the game and or games that we played. And I always love it when we get to play more than one game. Right, Zach? Like, we love the content. All about the content. Oh, no. It is a lot of fun when we get to play multiple games, especially like in a day. Yeah. Sometimes we've overdone that. Oh, yeah. In the past, many hours, 20, 30 hours of gameplay into one episode. We've learned our lesson on that. Yep. But like I mentioned, today we're covering two games. We're covering Professor of the Occult, which is a purely digital experience. Mm -hmm. And then we are covering Box from the Future, which is a mixed tabletop and digital format. Yep. Both of them, you need the internet to have any success on completing the game. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind. And yeah. One of those games where it was just Zach and I playing, no outside folks. And we had a good time playing it, Zach. Like, we played them both back-to-back, -back, 
mm-hmm. knocked them out pretty quick. Where do you want to start? You want to start on a cult or box from the future? I think we should start with the digital experience. So a cult. Okay. What'd you like about it? Yeah. So what I liked about the professor of the occult was the kind of explorative elements that you got to do in the game. It kind of has like a point and click adventure feel. I mean, it does have that element and yeah. it's kind of telescapey. It's not telescape, but in that element, um, you can explore the rooms. So you're kind of in the study. More things get revealed to you. There's like hallways, doors, stuff like that. It was a lot of fun to kind of explore the space and try to find different puzzles, clues, hints, stuff like that throughout the experience. And then I had some fun exploration later on into the game where more things open up. It felt like, and I don't know this for sure, but I would hazard a guess that this was an escape room that was adjusted Yes. To meet the needs of an online game. Yeah. So if I was playing this as an escape room, I would be like, oh, we got to we got to travel quite a bit oh, through yeah. this game. And I, I, I like that a lot. Uh, I would say there was one puzzle at the end that I really liked the input mechanism. It, oh, ma- it, really it made the game feel way more immersive and authentic than the rest of the experience was. Mm-hmm. And I have not encountered something like that before in a game. So I really enjoyed that. Did you, did you do that? Like, were you a fan of that ending as well? No, I was a huge fan. It was interesting. You did it for us because I will talk a little bit more about it, but we did the final puzzle kind of together. Yes. And that one was interesting watching you do it. I was like, that's kind of like a really cool trick to implement that kind of technology with your computer. Yes. I I I think that's a fair way of saying it. And for the rest of it, it was a fairly standard experience. Nothing big and flashy, um, nothing bad either. All of the puzzles made sense to us. Mm -hmm. There's a hint system present. So overall, a pretty decent experience. Um, In our room for improvements on this game, one thing that I personally didn't like is that there was no syncing for multiplayer. And I thought there was going to be. Yes, it is purely like if you log into it, you are in the game. It is not like... We share the space. We both interact. It's not like a, like I said, in terms of a a style of point and click that I think of like Telescape where you could potentially have more people all exploring it. It is literally just Jared and I are playing the exact same game, logged into it, and we're both just doing separately. And that's totally cool. And I could see how like that'd be fine on like Zoom, you know, like if you had everyone talking and doing through it together. Like one person had the screen up and then everybody else. But it's still like unfortunate in terms of with our expectation thinking it could be that it, it was kind of disappointing to be like, Oh, we're both just playing the same game and we both have to like do the puzzles. So like I would solve something and Jared would be like, Oh, just tell me like, can you tell me what you did so I can put it on my end? You know? Yes. So we could both see it until the end when we both just realized like, Oh, like I was, I think ahead at the time. So Jared's like, I'll just come over to you. And then we just did like the last two puzzles together basically. And it was weird because there was multiple times where you would cue video or you would cue audio and it would be like, Zach's two seconds ahead of me and then I find the thing and start and I'm like, okay, like we don't need to hear, yeah, we don't, we don't need to hear both of those things. So it made for a, a also a weird, like single room experience yes. where we're not playing it, you know, via the internet, but both just individually playing it. It tells you to forward the email to give that person that code. I think the expectation just for all of this style of games is both players should exist in the same place at the same time, but we had more of a parallel universe yeah. <laughs> experience. The other thing I didn't really um, care for is just the UI that was present. It had some weird quirks like um, in Telescape, the things that you need to click are very obvious. And there there were some, I would call it like signposting elements, like things shaded a little bit differently. Yes. In my opinion, the UI took away from the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, every time that you s- 
found a new space, I'll yeah. say. And you were the one that pointed this out. You, you said it during the game. You, we got into a you know, new secret area and you're like, oh, my computer opened a new tab. And then that new tab in that browser encased everything that we had been through yeah. so far. And it was weird little quirks like that that I just didn't understand that kind of took you out of the game for a minute and then threw you right back into it. Yeah. Do you agree with that? I agree because if you basically what happened is once you solved it, the main screen, I'm going to call it or main window would be like, Oh, uh, investigate this. And then the second screen would open up or the second window would open up with the same thing you just did, but like you see more. So it's felt like instead of the game auto adjusting in the same window, it just kept creating more windows. So by the end of the experience, you have like two or three windows that are the same thing, but just further into it. Yeah. Even though they all three can interact, but I, I understood probably what having some background in that kind of stuff, I could see how that technology works and how it makes sense that it has to create windows, but it does take you out of the immersiveness of like, Oh, I solved this cool puzzle. And then randomly my screen just stops, makes a really loud noise. And then it just opens a new window. And I didn't actually get to see the like small window that happened on the first screen. It just yes. immediately shot me into a black screen until it loaded. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, overall, just, uh, just a good little quirky game yeah. is the best way that I can describe it. Moving over to box from the future. What did you enjoy about this? Reminding you box is our mixed tabletop digital experience. Yeah, I thought the thing that we both kind of liked a lot was the ARG elements in this. It had some like fun ARG stuff. So uh, because it is a mixed experience, there are elements of the online portion that are different than the in-person stuff. So it ended up being that most of the things that we gathered from early on in the experience were the exact same in terms of what you saw on the digital aspect. But there were a few puzzles, like specifically one of them being, uh, I think it's six or four, or whatever you want to call it. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> you'll have to figure that out. Good luck. Um, but yeah, you know, one of them has like an online element that is different from the physical. And so you had to realize like, oh, that's kind of the connection yes. between those two. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, anytime that you are taking me out of the world, but not losing the immersion, mm -hmm. and that's what ARG does, I think that's a lot of fun. I also thought this game did a good job have a kind of more than just ARG element. I guess it is ARG, but I'd say it has a little bit of a puzzle hunt feel to it. A little bit, yeah. In terms of there's a few things you have to kind of like look up outside the game in terms of looking at locations or information you gather. I really enjoyed that aspect of like, oh, here's information I gathered. Now I have to go like look it up and figure out the connection so that it would help me solve a puzzle. That was, I mean, I love puzzle hunty kind of feels. So Yeah, and it, and it did a good job of taking us through not just the digital system that we were starting, yep. but to other things. So that I thought that was really well thought out and executed on. In terms of room for improvements, where do you want to start, Zach? Yeah, I think we should start with kind of the first thing, which would be, it was a little formulaic. I would say it's too formulaic in a few points. Once you see these games, and, I, and it's the same for both of them, to be honest, but specifically we noticed it more in Box from the Future, is that it goes, okay, here's how the answering key works you're going to do it exactly like this. And it's not, it doesn't feel as immersed into the experience. It yeah. feels like they're different. Like it goes like, here's six puzzles that aren't really themed to it. Here's just six mm. random puzzles. And you're like, okay, cool. And you get those six puzzles done. And then it goes, okay, here's seven through 10. Do these answers. And it, it felt like the same, like here's answering key. It's the exact same. Just look for the answer. You did like 12 tons in a row. And you're like, okay, yeah, it, it didn't it didn't help drive anything forward in either game, in my opinion. Both games were like, here's your puzzle key, 
And exactly what you said, like there are puzzles out there, Zach. Now you go solve those puzzles and you okay. come back and you insert in one through five. Yeah. And there was just a lot of Roman numerals. And I, and I get it because it does help order. Like I'm, I'm not saying the ordering, I'm saying the manner, the style mm-hmm. in which it was done was just the same and yeah. it felt very flat. And I didn't, I didn't enjoy that a whole lot. It was accurate. I could see how if you were a new player, you might appreciate that. Oh, yeah. But in terms of playing these games back to back, it just felt, I don't know, just stale is maybe a fair word. Yeah, but I, you know, it's hard because I think without, I think there's could be an interesting way of changing it to have a different answering system. But I could see like if you just dropped the Roman numeral element and just left it how it is, it would be more difficult to make things connect. But it would be, they would have to find some new system because I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, well, if you just dropped the system, I'm like, okay, then that makes no sense because you never know the connections between any of right. them. Yeah, I don't know. There, there's probably some way you could potentially change it that isn't a formulaic one through five answering key and still be as impactful. As Absolutely. Absolutely. The last room for improvement, and this was definitely more so true for Box from the Future than from Professor of the Occult, is the puzzles don't really do anything to tell the story here. There are puzzles present. The puzzles all work. But in terms of meeting any criteria for them being, I would even say in this game themed, this just felt like a smattering of puzzles to get us to some type of meta. The meta puzzle was themed. Yes. um, And it was really well done, actually. I liked the meta for this game. But yes, I agree. Puzzles one through like eight, if I'm not mistaken, are very much like, here's just random puzzles that are thrown into the experience. Right. That and don't make, they don't actually have a narrative reasoning of being there or thema- or not as thematic to the experience. And, and some of them are fun and they make funny references. Yes. And, and I, I always enjoy that level of Easter eggs if you're familiar with some other story, game, media, et cetera. Yep. But I'm just, I'm looking at the puzzles right now. And again, the puzzles aren't, it's not that they're not clever puzzles. Like, these are, there's some really great classic puzzle types. It's just that, you know, when we talk about the three different levels of puzzles driving what you're doing, there's the very top is your puzzles are driving your story. Yep. Like that's the best that you can get in this game. Below that is you have puzzles and they're on theme. And then the lowest kind of part of that pyramid is, well, you got puzzles. <laughs> and that's what it felt like. And especially with the story and the narrative of Box from the Future, which was very time travel, right? Like, I think we even said a similar thing about the most recent Wild Optimus games. Like, lean into that. Yeah. Like, time travel is, you have so much to work with there. Agree or disagree with what I'm saying, Zach? No, I agree. It just felt like a very large missed opportunity. And again, good puzzles. I even think these would be appropriate puzzles for people just getting into it. It's puzzles that I've seen in a lot of different places, escape rooms, different games. But I I was a little disappointed, and I felt like there could be some room for improvement on that front. That's really going to wrap us up for our first section. We've got Puzzles to the People coming at you next. Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People. Hey, I just got back from the mail. Looks like we've got a new game to play. Oh, really? What is it? It's the new Escape the Crate game. Oh, I've been excited about this one. I'm personally a little confused. Okay. The title on the box just says Hood Unit. Okay, can you spell that? W-H-O-D-U-N-I-T. Oh, it's Who Done It, Jared. 
Yeah, and the new Escape the Crate game, it's the Escape Whodunit. It's like a classic murder mystery, but with a twist ending. I mean, agree to disagree on pronunciation, and by the way, it's twist, not twist. Okay. But what you can do is go over to escape dash the dash crate.com and use code puzzling co puzzling co all one word and you'll get 25% off your first subscription order or any single retired box that they have. Welcome back to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. We are now back here in the second section of the show, brought to you by the Escape Mail Studio. If you haven't played an Escape Mail game yet, you totally should. Now, in this section of the show, it's a little wild, as I put it. But in this section, this is where Jared and I will get to discuss a topic that is kind of related to the game that we covered, which would be the Box from the Future as well as Professor of the Occult. We sometimes look at reviews of the game. We talk about discussions that are related to it or just kind of that need to be discussed in the whole community. But it's usually left in the dark for me to figure out what's going on. So, Jared, what are we talking about today? Well, we're revisiting one of your favorite topics. Okay. Which is narrative in games. Okay. Because one thing we didn't mention purposely in our talks about what we liked and where we felt there was room for improvement was one thing I thought that the game did really well is they were consistently, as you solve things, giving you more of the narrative. Whether you liked the narrative or not in this game, in both games, it was solve puzzles and then get to this audio clip, get to this video clip. And then that was, as we've talked about in a lot of other mediums, the payoff for what we're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I think, and this is where the big question of this middle section is, I personally think this is the way to go about things in one way or another. However, what I have encountered many a time in escape rooms, in other puzzle games, kind of at the intersection of, you know, the puzzle meets the narrative, is this crazy concept of what I call narrative jet fuel, which is you're going to narrative dump me 95% of everything and at blast off like at a shuttle blast off hmm. and then hope that that carries and then you, you you just leave me yeah what are your thoughts on on that like do you prefer one can both of them be done well i was very cognizant as we were playing through the games today that i was like oh i'm really happy they did it this way because i've played some video games other games etc that have just shot me off to the moon and then didn't just kind of assumed that the rest of whatever the puzzles, the experience would fill in the gaps for me. Obviously I think it depends on the game or style of puzzling that you're doing that I think it matters. I think in general, most people like having a story that plays throughout the experience. I did very much enjoy how they did it in this game in terms of here's kind of an intro solve puzzles, gave a little bit of narrative, but not a lot. And then it would go like, oh, you reached the first checkpoint. Yes. Here's another minute and a half video. And it would feed into it a bit more. And you gain more information. And then it would be like, oh, here's set up for the next set of puzzles. Do the next set of puzzles, get another video, go through the last set of puzzles slash the meta, and then get it like an outro. And I thought it was really well done. It, it kept me engaged in terms of figuring out what the story was going on with. It didn't feel like forced really at any point. It was, it was done well, especially in like box from the future. And then in terms of other games, like with the whole dropping everything off the beginning or the like jet fuel part, I think it can work with certain games, but I think the game has to be so well done or does a good job of subtly answering questions that you don't worry about it. 
Like, and I think it's hard because I don't have any like very clear examples of games that I think did it really well. But I think what games, what good games can do is give you a lot of narrative at the front and then solve it throughout the experience. So like, I'm thinking of a game like Dark Souls or Elden Ring in terms of, mind you, there's a lot of narrative the entire experience. I'd say it's more of the second one than the first. But I feel like that game or games like that go like, here's a ton of information. Mm. And they're going to go, okay, a lot of this is not going to make sense. Some it's going to. And then as you play the game, the game does a really solid job of giving you answers in terms of actual narrative from characters, but also like, oh, I did this type of puzzle and I found this information. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. Or like you did this thing and you get that aha moment of like, oh, you figured out like side information. Or I think of like Easter egg style things in like uh, Batman Arkham City or um, Arkham Asylum or any of those types of games where there's a lot of narrative that's very much presented to you. But if you do like Easter eggs type of stuff or side objectives, you gain a lot more mm. information that you aren't given directly. It's on you to find it and do that yourself. But yeah, I, I feel like most people probably prefer it to be kind of given to them because I know we've talked about many different types of games, but some of the games we've played where they had like an extra immersive or cinematic part of it. It is given at the very beginning and then there's a re resolution at the end, but literally everything in the middle made no sense in terms of like, <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. So there's this, I, I don't want to talk about any specific companies, but it just like, I know we had one not crazy long ago. That was essentially that like, here's a cool introduction. Here's how this is going to work. Here's the gameplay. The gameplay drops all of it in terms of like any narrative experience. It's just a puzzle. And then the final part goes like, oh, I'm bringing you right back in that really crazy introduction yes. the narrative. And you're like, oh, so like, how does this literally fit at all into any of the rest of the experience? I mean, I totally agree with you because it feels like there are, from what I hear you saying, like different models, like the bookend is yeah. another one. Like you said, like heavy drop at the beginning, go, 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 heavy drop at the end. The jet fuel analogy is more of just like a bookend at the front. And then like, once you break the atmosphere, we're just going to let you coast into outer space and hopefully you hit the moon Yeah, um, and kind of do that. But I think video games have done it really well for a long time even before online of slowly giving you those cut scenes that you're just so wanting. Oh yeah. I think actually a great adjacent space that I think does more of the jet fueling than anything else does is escape rooms. Oh, a hundred percent. That is like my biggest frustration with escape rooms at times is that they give you this crazy cool intro. The narrative is really cool. The narrative kind of starts at the beginning and then there is no resolution half the time to that like narrative that you gained all at the beginning. Absolutely. Or or it does a decent job of doing like the here's checkpoints thing and then at the end it doesn't do anything. And I'm like, so you you gave me this whole experience and then the final puzzle like doesn't give a solution to this. And you're like, that let, made this experience go from like a nine to like a, eight, like a six immediately yeah. just because you're like, you had such a good high like most of the game and then it goes like, Here's a bah, 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 and then the ga game's over. <laughs> the game's no, over. Room host doesn't come in no, for like 30 no seconds. No resolution. Later. You're like, but that all happened. Why didn't we get a resolution for this? Or I feel like I don't see it as much in at home experiences, but definitely in at like in actual escape rooms, I feel that jet fuel analogy like a lot. Absolutely. And my problem with it is to me, you're trying to find like an equilibrium. Mm hmm. And it doesn't mean that finding an equal equilibrium is the end all be all right. Cause if you talk about that, the bookend way yeah. of doing narrative, well then, you know, your ends are good, but maybe your middle is super weak. If you go the jet fuel, then like what you said, if you have an epic beginning and then your end is, then it's like, 
wait, that, that was it. Like I had, I had so many expectations, which is why I liked what we played today. Like, again, this was not the greatest game of all time. It was, it was fine. It was, it was, it, it was a decent yeah. game, but I did like that. It paced you like, here it is. We're going to keep driving the story. We're going to keep driving the story. We're going to keep driving the story. And I appreciate that so much in a game because it lets me know that there's also a level of intentionality that you had thought about the story. That's what I get from a lot of games that just kind of catapult you is, man, you really had a great idea at the beginning, but by the end of it, you had no, you were driving in the dark a la Lost. Yeah. You know, oh, uh, yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like, what were you doing? But by, by the end of this, it was all just it gone to heck. Yeah, there's also games I've played where, like, the example I would give is kind of one of those in-your-interpretation type of things. And sometimes I think it's lazy. Mind you, there are some really good stories that use, like, oh, you have no idea what happened. Like, right, kind of the ambiguous. Like, you know, there's the whole, like, most of, is it, uh, like, Tenet? What was the Inception? Yes. And the sense of movies where, like, the point of it is kind of to mess with you. Yes, absolutely. Then it's like, or American Psycho, where, you know, you watch that movie and you're like, I have no idea after the last 30 minutes what the <laughs> heck happened and what's real and not, you know, and that's fine, but I'll play some like video games and stuff or like TV shows do that. Where like, like you said, the, basically they, they had a really cool idea. They get like 80% of it done and they go like, I have no idea how to end this. So I'm just going to like, I'm going to throw it. You should go like, good luck. Hope people understand it or like make their own connection that they, why they like it more. And then it ends up being like disappointing. Cause I know how I feel about game of Thrones season eight sucks. Actually, I, that's not even a hot take. I think everyone can agree. That season actually sucks. All of America, is, if you're politically left or politically right, can get on board with it. Yes, we can all agree. We can all agree. Season sucked, <laughs> which is disappointing. We should just have Abby back on and just be like, I say back on, but we'll bring one of our uh, Our friends, past co-workers of friends, yeah. Abby. And just be like, hey, uh, how do you feel about I think there would just be silence, like a cold, brooding <laughs> anger. Which I think everyone would understand. Yeah, that, that's the appropriate response. Okay, so you, you brought up a point that I wanted to make that I do think escape rooms are the sole egregious proprietors of such a narrative format. Okay. Do you see that anywhere else? Because I'm thinking of another one that I think does the same but then they have a little something different to back it up. But I'm interested to see if you uh, can think of what I'm thinking of. No, I do not immediately know what it is. I mean, there are some other types of games like that. I, I'm trying to think of formats in terms of like at home or adjacent. It, okay, so my question to you is, is it like an adjacent thing or is it like an at home? It is an at. No, I will say it is something that we have covered many of these games that I think either jet fuels you or bookends you. But we're usually not upset about it in the same way that we are with a different style of game. Is it more like the episodic style of games or is it more like bigger? A, think bigger, like a, like a format, like puzzle hunt or murder mystery. That, yeah. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. I, I think like murder mystery I could get because it, it is it's like literally like here's a cool intro. Here's a little bit of narrative. Here's the ending. And then it goes like depending if it's episodic, it goes like here's the cliffhanger of the information you have or like you said, we play some episodic games where it does that, but that's kind of the point. They're like specifically made to be like, here's a really good intro. Here's some narrative throughout it, but not a ton. Yes. Here's a good ending. And then you, you're done with that experience and you move on. But you you nailed it. It's most of the crime games. Yeah. I think do this a lot, but that's because the puzzling that you are doing is to piece together the it's narrative, yeah. right? Like the mystery is the narrative, yeah. right? And that, and again, we've talked about that in a past episode, but I think that's a way that escape games can think about it. It's like mm -hmm. the puzzles tell your story. The puzzles tell your story. 
that happens naturally in crime, right? Because what are you doing? You're piecing together that timeline. The timeline is everything in a crime story. Yeah. But I thought that was really interesting because when we look at a lot of our other, I call them more escape style games, but you could also think of them as a games apart from crime. There really is many different narrative structures that you run into and you can run into that atypical escape room style jet fuel type narrative. Yeah. What else? What else are you thinking through as we think through that? Do you see that anywhere else? Any specific games that come to mind that you're like, I really like how they paced the narrative or how they attacked the format of the narrative as we went through that experience? I mean, there's a lot of really good games that we've played. I mean, it kind of just depends on the game that, it, like I said, they're all different formats, but like I thought the messenger did a really good job of that where it's like a more thematically based game where there's like a lot more videos. Um, there's some good puzzles, but most of it is like more about the journey of that kind yes. of the videos and stuff like that and kind of getting information. I thought the messenger did really well. I mean, most scarred envelope games do a really good job. I thought soup from, you know, crack does well. I mean, there's most big hitters I think of in our community do a good job of some format of that. Like, either if it's episodic or if it's more of like a book holdy or if it's not many in our space do jet fuel. Like I think that's literally minimal to none other than in my opinion, some puzzle hunt style games, but that the point of those, I would say they're more bookshelf where you go like, like even one of my favorites, like the wish you were here, like narratively, there is no real narrative in the middle section other than you, you gain information like a murder mystery. Yeah. But then mainly the like dump of narrative is the very beginning and then when you solve all the puzzles, you get a narrative dump, which I really like about that series because it's it has more narrative than most puzzle hunts in terms of like, mm-hmm. here's a cool like puzzle That's hunt ex- ex- exploration of puzzles, and then you gain a answer or a cliffhanger until you do the next puzzle hunt. Yeah, I think that's really fair. You hit on some of the ones that I was thinking through in my head. Even thinking Fellowship. through, yeah. There's a lot of good ones up Even there. Even thinking through like um, the games that we did from Clue Quest. Yep. Like you're getting your narrative, things are happening throughout. And I thought they did a really good job of fusing it. But it's just very interesting to look at narrative structures. And again, I don't think this is some type of one of these is inherently better than the other. No. But it is just to reemphasize the fact that narrative does play such a pivotal role, Mm -hmm. such a pivotal role. And it is apparent to us as reviewers when that's intentionally thought of or when it it is a um, unfortunate necessity of the game in which you are making. Yeah. And I think the hard part, I guess what feels frustrating about it at times is like, I think some games would be awesome without narrative. Like if you gave me like a pure puzzle game and you just said, Hey, there's literally no narrative, but I'm going to give you like the best puzzle. I I would give zero craps or F's or whatever you want to say in terms of fine. There's no narrative. Totally cool with it. As long as you give me good puzzles, Yep. but some games feel like, Oh, I have good puzzles, but I I feel like I have to add a narrative. So then they try to make both work and then they fail almost on both. Right. Because then you have, you introduce an element that doesn't need to be there. And I'm like, well, if you just drop the narrative and just making fun puzzles, then I, I, if you sold me a box of it, this is literally a box of puzzles or literally like any, most of the puzzle boxes that we actually have done where like some of them have an, like a narrative theming to them, but they're just a puzzle box. And you're like, cool. Yeah. I'll play cool. a puzzle box. Yeah. I like that. But it's what we always talk about. Don't give me something and then half do it because you felt like it was a necessity yeah. to what you're doing. If you even start telling me a story, there better be a beginning, middle end. And even then, we're going to talk about the degree and the ability to which you pulled that off. I'm 100% with you. 
crossword puzzles, Sudokus. These are all great puzzles. People love these puzzles. They don't need stories. But when you walk into this realm that we're constantly talking about, narrative structure is something to think about. And then that better work in with what you are doing with your puzzles and your flow. Like it is a artistry meets science world. And it's fun to pull the strings of one of those things and take a look at it and then try to put it back into the tapestry. Mm -hmm. So just another fun conversation that Zach and I enjoy having. We appreciate y'all listening with us today. Hang with us. We've got questions for creators coming at you next. There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is Questions for Creators. Hey everyone, Jared here. And if you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that Zach and I love to test our skills as private investigators. We've done this for local police departments, federal agencies, and we always seem to catch our bad guy. But one of our favorite companies to do that with is Unsolved Case Files. They have a really great product. Their game works through envelopes. Every time you solve part of the case, you open another envelope and you get to dig into even juicier and deeper details until you finally figure out what's going on. They have a great online input system for their answers. And of course, as we always talk about, a great hint system to complement it when you get stuck and you're looking for that extra nudge. Personally, we love these games because they tell great stories. Those stories have great twists and the connections that you are making to solve the case lead to those super satisfying aha moments. Me personally, I like these games because they're what I call one sitting games, which means they take about an hour to two hours and you don't have to worry about a cliffhanger ruining it if you want to get all the way through it. You're getting an entire story, an entire game every time you play an unsolved case file games. Currently, there are eight of these games out there. You can find these games at unsolvedcasefiles.com. And just for being one of our listeners, you can get 15% off by using the code PUZZLE15, all one word, PUZZLE15 at unsolvedcasefiles.com. Welcome back to Puzzling Company. We are in the final section of our show here where we call a question for creators. But Zach, you're unfortunately without a creator today. (gasps) I know. Great gasp, by the way. Solid soundbite right there. Thank you. <laughs> the creator, really nice individual. We just couldn't sync up schedules, get it done. That's okay. If we can ever lock it down in the future, we'll re-upload and we'll have a complete episode. But yeah, enjoyed these games. You can find out more information about these games at puzzledescapegames.com. And they have the two games that we played as well as a couple of other online games that were similar to the occult game that we played. You can find them on social media. Like I mentioned, they don't have their physical escape rooms anymore. COVID did a number on them, unfortunately, but they still have an online presence, and that's where we want to direct you. Zach, how can uh, people help us out? Yeah, there's a few different ways that you can help out Puzzling Company. Uh, First, you can go support us on Patreon. You can go in there and become one of our patrons. Get access to episodes early. Be able to join our Discord. Communicate with us, which is great. Get and play games with us. Also get access to some of the online games as well. You can also go to wherever you listen to this podcast and leave us a five-star review. We'd super appreciate it. And the final thing is you can go to wherever you listen, uh, wherever you like going for social media, going to Instagram or Facebook at Puzzling Company and follow us there to see new episodes. I dig it. We've got a lot of great content coming up, as we mentioned, a lot of Halloween things coming up. We are excited to spend the end of the year with you. And then we're already planning year three and have some exciting things there. So for Jared and Zach, this has been Puzzling Company. See you guys. 
Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. Chipped Cassette Studios. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.